In this chapter in Deuteronomy, God instructed the Jews concerning the installation of a king over them. We see here there are two things that he specified, his election and his religion. First, his election is described in verse 15. You may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. There is a good reason that God should choose the king, since by him kings reign. Proverbs 8.15 Second, his religion is described in verse 18. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. This is an excellent beginning of a king's reign. The first thing he did after he sat upon the throne was to copy out the word of God in a book. Further, this text that he wrote out by hand shall be with him and he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God, by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. It shall be with him. The book of the law shall be his daily companion. Indeed, the Bible is the best support of any government. And he shall read in it. It is not below the majesty of a king to carefully examine the scriptures. In them are found wisdom and truth. Proverbs 8.6 says, Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. In the Septuagint, it is translated as grave things. In the Hebrew, princely things. These are the things fit for God to speak and a king to read. The king, however, was not to only read the book of the law at his first installment into his kingdom, but he shall read in it all the days of his life. He must not stop reading until he has stopped reigning. And the reasons why he must be well acquainted with the law of God are found in the following. 1. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God. Reading of the word is the best means to usher in the fear of the Lord. 2. That he may keep all the words of this law and these statutes and do them. 3. That he may continue long in his kingdom. Let us now carefully examine the words, He shall read in it all the days of his life. The Holy Scripture is a great treasure sent to us from God. We must read it diligently. Ignorance of Scripture is the mother of error, not of devotion. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine says, You are wrong, because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. We are commanded to search the Scriptures, John five thirty-nine. The Greek word for search signifies to search as for a vein of silver in a mine. How diligently does a child read over his father's will and testament, how carefully does a citizen examine his constitution? With similar diligence and care should we read God's word, which is our foundational document for heaven. It is a mercy that the Bible is not prohibited. Apollos was competent in the scriptures, Acts 18.24. Cecilia, the Roman believer, read the Bible so often that she made her heart the library of Christ. If the scriptures were confined to the original languages of Greek and Hebrew, 
many would make an excuse for not reading. But when the word of the Spirit is unsheathed, and the word is made plain to us by being translated into our dialect, what should hinder us from a diligent search into these holy mysteries? Adam was forbidden from tasting the tree of knowledge on pain of death. Genesis 2.17 But there is no danger of touching this tree of Holy Scripture. In fact, if we do not eat of this tree of knowledge, we shall surely die. What will become of those who are strangers to the Scriptures? Hosea 8.12 says, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Many lay aside the Scriptures as rusty armor. They who slight the word written slight God himself, whose stamp it bears. To slight the king's edict is an affront and an offense to the king himself. They who reject and vilify the scriptures are in a state of condemnation. Proverbs 13.13 says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. It is not enough, however, to read the word of God but it should be our endeavor to get some spiritual profit from it, that our souls may be nourished and strengthened in the words of faith. Why else was the scripture written but that it might profit us? God did not give us his word only as a landscape to look upon, but he intended for us to hitch the plow to the mule and receive the full fruit of it. It is a sad thing not to profit from the word to be like the body that is riddled with disease that does not thrive. No man does business and is happy when he gets no profit from his dealings. The grand question I am to speak to is this. How may we read the scriptures with the most spiritual profit? In answering this question, I shall lay down several rules or directions about the reading of scripture.